You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Luke chapter number 7 and verse number 11. The Bible says, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Verse number 12. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the buyer, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about, and the disciples of John showed him all of these things. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the church like this that we can come to. I thank you that it is your plan for your people to be encouraged and to be strengthened. And I pray that you would help us as a church not just to uh, be strengthened, but I pray that we would go out and I pray that we would make a difference in this community and in this world. Uh, may we reach our souls and may we do all we can to uh, look for opportunities this week to share the good news with those around us. I pray we would not keep the church a secret, but I pray that we would invite folks to come and allow you to do a mighty work in the lives of others like you've done in ours. We thank you and praise you for the time we're together. We ask now that you'd speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We saw this morning, we saw the centurion's servant was healed. He was ready to die. He hadn't died yet, but he was ready to die. Well, now in this same chapter, Luke chapter 7, we see a man who did die. He wasn't sick and ready to die. He was already dead. As a matter of fact, not only was he dead, but they had not left him uh, on the deathbed. They had not left him in the house. They had already prepared for a funeral. This is a funeral procession. Uh, brother uh, uh, brother uh, George uh, Colum, uh, oftentimes we'll, we'll be at the funerals and we'll, we'll talk about uh, uh, some different things. And uh, funerals, are, funerals are sad places. But I'm thankful for the child of God. It doesn't end there. I'm thankful for the child of God that, uh, that, that death is not a, uh, a final goodbye. Death is a see you later. But there's a funeral going on. And as the funeral procession is leaving the city, Jesus is coming into the city. And he meets this procession at the gate of the city. You say, wow, Jesus almost missed it. Jesus was almost too late. Oh, no. He's never late. He's never almost late. He's never too early. He's never almost early. Jesus is always right on time. And this account we see, it was not a coincidence. It was not luck. It was not happenstance. But Jesus met them as they were leaving the city. Jesus was coming. The Bible says that there was a dead man carried out. He was the only son of his mother. Funerals are so, so sad. Funerals are, are, are so awful. 
But to think of this situation, this was not a son bearing his mother. This was a mother who was bearing her son. And this was her only son. And the Bible goes on to say, and the Bible records for us, that this woman had not only lost her son, but at some point she had lost her husband. Because the Bible says she was a widow. Can you imagine the tears? Can you imagine the anguish? Can you imagine the great sorrow that was present at that moment when Jesus passed by? The Bible says in verse number 13, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. Number one, I want you to notice in this passage the compassion of Jesus. Jesus was not like we are. Jesus was not worried about all the events and all the affairs and all the busyness and all the schedules and all the meetings and everything else he had that he was too busy to see somebody in need. Oh, no. When Jesus saw this woman, when Jesus saw this situation, he was moved with compassion. The Bible says that he saw. Aren't you glad that Jesus sees what you're going through? Jesus sees the pain that you are experiencing. Jesus sees the heartache. Jesus sees the problem. Jesus sees everything that you and I have ever faced. He sees the things we haven't even faced yet. He sees what's in the future. He knows what lies ahead. But he sees, number two, he cares. The Bible says that he saw and he had compassion. Compassion is a, a brokenness. It's a hurt. I heard someone say it like this. Compassion is having your hurt in my heart. I think that's a good definition because if we're not careful, we don't care about others' hurts. We only care about our own hurts. As a matter of fact, we don't want to know about others' hurts. We don't want to have to deal with it. We don't want to have to think about it. But I'm glad Jesus is not like that. One, he sees. Number two, he cares. Number three, he speaks. Jesus speaks in this situation, and he says in verse number 13, he said unto her, weep not. Now, here's the beauty. When Jesus speaks, he always knows what to say. Amen. Have you ever been to a funeral, and you didn't know what to say? Amen. Have you ever been to a hospital, and you didn't know what to say? Have you ever been to a home, and someone was going through something, and you did not have the words to say? You had no idea. And by the way, I've been there many times. You've been there many times. And sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. Sometimes the best thing is just to be there. Sometimes the best thing is just to be present and just to, uh, uh, to, to pray or to, to, to offer, what can I do to help? And if there's nothing you can do to help, then just be there. But Jesus speaks, and when he speaks, he always knows what to say. He said to this woman, weep not. Then we see that Jesus draws near. It says in verse number 14, and he came and he touched the beer. He came and touched that, that word beer, B-I-E-R, would be like uh, we would use the word, the word peer, P-I-E-R. But this beer uh, was not the kind you drink, although they kind of go together, you know, you know they, they'll both kill you. But this beer, it was a casket, it was a coffin. And Jesus comes and he touches that casket. I love this. Jesus got involved. And can I tell you, when people are hurting and people are suffering, if there is anything you can do to help, do it. Get involved. Say, well, I don't want to get involved in that. And, oh, it's kind of messy. And, oh, it's kind of sick. And it's kind of sad. And it's kind of tragic. Hey, 
Be what you can be. Do what you can do for somebody in need. I'm glad Jesus got involved in our mess. I'm glad Jesus came knocking on our door when we were without hope and without God. But he got involved. The Bible says in Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to where we are to get involved and to help us in our need. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 36. You don't have to turn there. But we see that Jesus was moved with compassion, not just at a funeral, but Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes of people. And the Bible says he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. You see this? Jesus had compassion because of the multitudes of people that were all around him. Wow, that sounds like us. We've got multitudes of people all around us every day. We've got multitudes around us everywhere we go. You say, well, this isn't a big city, and this isn't, you know, Raleigh, or this isn't uh, Greenville, or this isn't, you know, Michigan, and, you know, all the, be all the people up there. No, but God has put people all around us every day. I want to ask you, does it affect you? Uh, does it bother you? Brother Gary preached uh, Wednesday night a great message on soul winning and the Great Commission. And I'll tell you what, after that message, uh, I had a greater desire to try to get the gospel to people. I had a greater desire to share the gospel with somebody. Can I tell you, that's the way it ought to be. I'm thankful that we have a soul winning ministry. I'm thankful we have a, a bus ministry. I'm thankful we have a jail ministry. I'm thankful for the Sunday school ministries, the master clubs and the missions and all those things. But friend, I want to tell you, it is our responsibility to do our part to reach people with the gospel of Christ while we can. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest. There you are, Brother George. I knew you were here somewhere and I just saw you. We're glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. But that's why Jesus prayed and that's why Jesus uh, asked that the Lord of harvest would send forth labors because there's a great need. This afternoon we were, we were eating lunch. We were having a good time uh, with Brother Gary and his family and Brother Jim and his family. And uh, while we were eating, we had one of our teen girls and I, I don't think she'd mind if I said her name. But we had one of our teen girls that was there with a friend that she had invited to church. And while we were eating, she came up and she came to uh, Joanna and she said, um, could I talk to you for a minute? And so Joanna got up and went out and said, well, well, what happened? Well, it was one of our teen girls that had just got done witnessing to her friend and had led her friend to Christ at lunch today. But she just wanted to make sure she didn't miss anything, so she asked Joanna if she would just come and just make sure. And I didn't know all this until after Joanna came back and uh, she came back and her food was there. I actually started eating her food. Brother Gary, is that not true? I did. And I got caught in the act. I think I'd taken two bites. Oh, no, no, I was just saving it for you. But Joanna came back and uh, we were asking her about it. And uh, I thought maybe that Joanna had led the girl to the Lord. And I said something about that. And Joanna said, no, it was better than that. And I'm thinking, well, what's better than getting saved, you know? She said, Alexis had already led her to Christ. She just wanted to make sure that that girl understood and make sure that she hadn't missed anything. Can I tell you, folks, that's what the church is all about. It's about you and I 
looking for opportunities to share the gospel with those around us. There's people everywhere. Brother Chris, you send me a text every Friday, and just about every Friday, there are men in the jail that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I'm all for people getting saved in the jail. I think they ought to get saved anywhere. But I don't think we need to wait until they get to the jail. That's why we have a bus ministry. We try to reach them. That's why we have a Christian school. That's why we have a master club. That's why we have a Sunday school. That's why we have door-to-door sewing. That's why we have missionaries go out. That's why we're here so that people can be saved. Jesus had compassion on this woman and on this situation. Number one, I see the compassion. Number two, I see the command. The Bible says in verse number uh, 14, and he came and touched the beer, and they that bear him stood still, and he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure that these pallbearers, I'm sure they're thinking, what in the world is he doing? The guy's dead. Why is he talking to this guy who we're having a funeral for, but he spoke to a dead man, and the dead man obeyed better than some of us who are alive and well. He said, arise, and it says the young man, that he sat up and he began to speak. You see, when God speaks, we ought to listen. When God speaks, we ought to obey. You say, how could a dead man obey? How could a dead man hear? How could a dead man respond to the voice of God? I'll tell you why. Because there is power in the word of God. Hebrews 4.12, the Bible says the word of God is quick and it is powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Don't ever discount the power of this book right here. There's power in the word of God. There's power in preaching. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. I, I kid you not. I'll, I'll let you see my notes right after church. There is power in the preaching of the word of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18. Let me tell you two conversations I've had in the last hour. Brother John, you didn't know what I was preaching tonight. I was talking to you about what Brother Gary said about you at lunch, about what you were like as a teenager. I was telling you about that. I was being honest with you. I didn't want to be guilty of gossiping with Brother Gary over lunch about you, you know. And Brother John said, oh, yeah, it's true. Absolutely. But here's what Brother John said. I didn't tell him when I was preaching. I didn't, I didn't try to, you know, fish this out of him. Brother John Glover told me. He said, Pastor, he said, I'll tell you what changed my life. He said, I was about 18 or 19 years old, and I heard a message. A preacher preached from John 21, follow thou me. He said, I heard that message. I got a recording of that message. I listened to that message. I listened to that message. And God used that message to change my life. Friend, I want to tell you, there's power in preaching. And, and hang on. Sometimes we sit through preaching and we think, when in the world is this guy going to shut up? When in the world is this guy going to get done? And I'll tell you, I've been there sometimes too where I just had other things I wanted to get done. But have you ever thought that maybe... There's something that needs to get done in you that God's working on. And it could be the preaching of the word of God. We're getting ready for baptism. Brother Charles, I didn't tell you what I was preaching tonight. And you told me. We're, we're actually, we're talking about John. Not the bad gossip, the good gossip. We're talking about John. And Brother Charles said, I'll tell you what, it's the same with me. 
He said, I was, uh, I was in, uh, in Rich Square, and he said, a preacher from South Dakota came, and he said, I was already saved, but he said, I wasn't serious. I wasn't, wasn't really focused on, on ministry. He said, the preacher came, and he preached a message about going to hell from a church pew. But Charles said, that was the message that changed my life. Friend, I want to tell you, as those men were telling me those stories, you know what I was doing? I was thinking about messages that I've heard preached that have impacted me. Mrs. Strofe, your, I wasn't going to say it. I want to make you feel bad, but your brother, you know the wild and crazy one that comes here about every other year, Brother Mark Swanson, that's Mrs. Strofe's brother. He was my youth pastor when I was a teenager. I'm telling you, there's messages he preached that I'll never forget that changed my life. Can I tell you, God uses preaching. God uses his word. And so why are we surprised that a, a dead man would arise and a dead man would come back to life? Because there's power in the word of God. And friend, I want to remind you, there's still power in the word of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.18 that it is the preaching of the cross. It's interesting, it doesn't say the preacher. It's not the person doing the preaching, but it's the preaching. It's the message. It's the word of God that has the power. That's why Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word be instant, in season, out of season. We need the preaching of the word of God. This man heard the command and he was dead, but he rose and God gave him life and he, he got up and he obeyed. Number three, I see in this passage that Jesus raises the widow's son. Number three, that Jesus conquered death. The Bible says about this, this son of this widow who was in the midst of a funeral procession. He was the one being buried. It says uh, that uh, he that was dead, verse 15, he that was dead, he sat up and began to speak. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that death has lost its sting and the grave has lost its victory. You say, how? Uh, who conquered death? Who took away the sting of death? I'm glad to tell you his name is Jesus. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave, and he won the victory for you and me, and thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus healed this man. Jesus raised him from the dead, and it says in verse 15, and he delivered him to his mother. Isn't that interesting? You talk about a reunion. This woman, this, this widow is weeping and crying for the, the death of her son. And while they're on the way to the funeral, her son is raised from the dead. And Jesus takes that son. I don't know if he took him by the arm. I don't know if he picked him up off of the casket. I don't know what he did. But he gave the son back to his mother as if to say, he's all yours. You got him back. What a reunion. It's a pretty incredible picture of a reunion that is coming soon for all of us who know the Lord. And for all of us who have loved ones who've gone over to the other side. What a wonderful, glorious day that's going to be. We see that fear came on all of them. The Bible says in verse 16, and they glorified God saying, that a great prophet is risen up among us and that God hath visited his people. It's interesting, that's what the people said. They said, this is amazing, this is a great prophet. And not only is this a great prophet, but God has done what he said because God had promised that he would visit 
his people. The book of Genesis, Joseph is getting ready to die. And his family has gathered together. And as, uh, uh, as Jacob is getting ready to die, he gathers his family together and he says, God will surely visit you. And then Joseph is getting ready to die and he tells the people, God is going to visit you. And when God visits you, I want you to pack up my bones and I want you to take my bones out of here. I don't want my bones in Egypt. I want you to take them with you to the promised land. But the, the, both those men said, God is going to visit his people. And guess what? God did visit his people. God did deliver them from Egypt. God did deliver them from bondage. God did save them from affliction. God did help them in their time of need. And God delivered his people like he said he would. Well, guess what? There was another visitation that was prophesied, and that was the visitation of the Messiah. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who would come and be born of a virgin and who would save his people from their sins. And God said that the Messiah would come and God said that he would come and he would be born and he would die and he would rise again. And he did. And now here we are in 2023. And when Jesus left this earth after his resurrection, as he was ascending up into heaven, he told his disciples, I'm coming back and every time he said he's coming he comes every time God has promised his people that there would be a visitation God has kept his word Jesus showed up in this story Jesus came to this woman at the right time but Jesus came to his people at the right time I'm glad that God's timing is always perfect I'm glad that God is always right on time. I'm glad that at the right time, Jesus came and he died. But at the right time, Jesus is coming back to gather his children home. God visited his people just like he said. I want to remind you this evening about the day that God visited you. You remember that day? Do you remember where you were before you got saved? Do you remember the situation you were in? Do you remember the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God? Do you remember maybe you couldn't sleep? Maybe you couldn't eat? Maybe you just didn't have peace? Maybe you just were so unsettled and, and you just you knew something was missing and you couldn't figure it out? Oh, but then Jesus came. Jesus came and paid a visit at your house. Jesus came and paid a visit in your life. And Jesus came and saved your soul. Tell you what, I don't ever want to forget the day that God saved me. I, I've enjoyed so much these last couple weeks getting to hear about Jackie and Jane getting saved and uh, uh, Bethany leading Jackie to the Lord and then John leading Jane to the Lord. And it was my dad when I was young like these girls. It was my dad that led me to Christ. And I don't ever want to forget that day. You say, well, you weren't living a life of sin and wickedness and all that. No, you're right, but I was on my way to hell. And I was a sinner that needed to be saved. I was a sinner that needed a visitation from God. And I'm glad Jesus stopped by my house, 229 Victory Street, Rockford, Illinois, and saved a little boy. I'm thankful for the day I got saved. I don't ever want to get over it. But then I also don't want to ever forget that Jesus, the one who saved me, the one who loves me, the one who changed my life, the one that forgave my sins, the one that, that gave me a home in heaven, the one that wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life, that same Jesus is coming back. 
I've already got my Bible closed. I'm going to pack up my notes, too, to give you some hope that I'm almost done. When I was a boy in Rockford, Illinois, Mrs. Strofe, your dad was my pastor. That's Jen's, your grandfather, and Austin, your grandfather. My pastor, Pastor Melvin Swanson, he pastored the same church for 57, 58 years. And he always preached with power. He always preached with passion. I'll tell you this, he never preached... 25, 30 minutes like I'm getting ready to do tonight. It was about 45 to an hour. But I remember so many of those Sunday nights. He would preach with such power and such conviction that Jesus was coming back. And it could be tonight. And friend, I want to tell you, he could come back tonight. He hasn't come back, but he could come back tonight. And if he doesn't come back tonight, I want to live like he's coming back in the morning. And if he doesn't come back in the morning, I want to live like he's coming back tomorrow afternoon. But Jesus is coming back. After I was my elementary and junior high, my high school years, my dad took that church in Geneseo, Illinois. We moved about two hours away from Rockford. My dad took this little church in this little town, Geneseo. It was a white clapboard building there on the town square. The auditorium would seat about 100 jam-packed in those early days. You say, how do you know? Because we jam-packed it in those early days, setting up chairs everywhere, and it was just, it was wild. But that church had been there for almost 150 years at that time, I think 140 years, and it was just right there on the square. But somebody, somewhere along the line, at one point thought it was a good idea to have specially made a neon sign to put out over the front door of the church. Now, in Geneseo, the only other establishments that had neon signs were bars. I mean, that's just, that's the way it was. And so whenever people would see that neon sign from a distance, they would kind of drive up and think, that's a church? And then, they, then they'd get a little closer and they'd read the writing. And that writing on that neon sign said these words, Jesus is coming. Are you ready? And I want to tell you, we're not putting a neon sign out front. But Jesus is coming. And I want to be ready. And I want our church to be ready. Are you ready tonight? If Jesus Christ were to come back tonight, do you know for sure that you're saved? If Jesus Christ were to come back tonight, do you know for sure that you're right with him? Do, do you know that there's nothing between your soul and the Savior? If not, let's get ready tonight. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.